Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. My name's Barry. I live right above you. I don't host parties. I host after parties. They're like parties, only louder and nobody goes home. You can see right here I ripped out all the carpeting because it was holding me back with my pogo stick. Man's got a pogo. Oh, I'm a prankster. I'll grease up a soda can and then when somebody grabs it, boom! <laughs> Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor, but we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, I'm Dhamini and you're listening to Gender Question. Here we will look at an issue that's in the news using the lens of gender. The idea is to take a blind spot and throw some light on it. On June 4, the Ministry of Women and Child Development set up a task force to study what's ailing mothers in terms of certain health indices including maternal mortality rate infant mortality rate nutritional levels and crucially the minimum age of marriage for women the task force was headed by jaya jaitley and it had members from other ministries such as education and health and family welfare the report was supposed to have been submitted on the 31st of july but it's still in the works in his august 15th Independence Day speech Prime Minister Narendra Modi referred to the task force and said that the government was considering raising the age of marriage for women as you know the current legal age for marriage for women is 18 and for men it's 21 the pm said that the committee has been tasked to ensure that young women must no longer suffer from malnutrition and thus the appropriate age for marriage should be reconsidered okay so let's break this down now the next bit is a little number heavy so please stay with me as per the national family health survey of 2015 2016 or the nfhs data which is the latest data that we have at present 58.8% of the women in the age group of 20 to 49 had been married by the age of 20 and out of them 36.6% had already given birth by the age of 20 this is a very large number of very young mothers but there is also some heartening news according to the demographic health survey or dhs data the percentage of women in the age group of 15 to 19 who were ever married has gone down from 82.1% to 77.3% between the years of 1992 and 2016 in fact the percentage of women ever married in the age groups of 20 to 24 and 25 to 29 has also fallen by 23 and 15 percentage points in the same duration So what this basically means is that more women are getting married at an older age okay and this has been happening since 1992 where the uh, which is actually since the time that the percentage of women by marital status uh, has started being uh, recorded so it's quite likely that it was already mm-hmm. happening but we don't know that because that data was not recorded prior to 1992 now what's important to remember is that this change of women getting married at an older age that has been happening even without the law changing 
and even without the legal age of marriage being increased. Okay, so that's one part of it. Now, to Mr. Modi's points about malnutrition and maternal mortality rate, these are indeed big problems in India. And though the, uh, the uh, numbers have also been steadily declining over the years, it's still not really vastly improved. As per the latest data, uh, maternal mortality rate in India has actually fallen by 6.15% between the two survey periods in the past decade itself. It now stands at 113 deaths per 100,000 live births. Now, my colleague Abhishek Jha uh, did an analysis of these numbers recently, and what he found was that the minimum age of marriage definitely does have an impact on the nutritional status of women. There is a correlation. Quoting the latest NFHS data, he pointed out that 58% of breastfeeding women and 50% of pregnant women are anemic. And particularly in the 15 to 19 year age group, the share of anemic women is 54.1% and the share of underweight women is 41.9%. So once again, to just make sense of these numbers, what we're saying is that there, there is a large swath of women in the age group of 15 to 19 who are married. There is uh, an equally large swath of women in the same age group of before 20 who have become mothers. And what we also know is, if we look at the nutritional data that we have, is that, again, a very large chunk of this particular age group that we already know are uh, possibly married or already have children are also anemic and underweight, okay? Now, the question, therefore, that we need to ask is that how will this be addressed? How can anemia and undernutrition be addressed? Would increasing the age of marriage help? We don't know. It might. But what will definitely help is if greater focus is paid to ensuring that women in this particular age bracket receive the nutrition that they deserve. As Abhishek's analysis also pointed out, the government expenditure on nutrition schemes has also fallen in real terms since 2014-15, even though a new maternity program was introduced in 2017. So, of course, what will help young women improve their nutrition uh, and, of course, therefore bring down numbers like maternal mortality rate and infant mortality rate is if the government spends more money on existing programs. Now, let's examine the law itself. The last time that the minimum age of marriage for women was raised was when the Child Marriage Restraint Act of 1929 was amended in 1978. And it increased the minimum age of marriage for both women and men to 18 and 21, respectively. Till then, it had been 16 and 18, respectively. The Special Marriage Act of 1954 and the Prohibition of Child Marriage Act, or PCMA, of 2006, also prescribe 18 and 21 years as the minimum age of consent for marriage for both women and men, respectively. The Hindu Marriage Act of 1955 also sets the same ages. However, child marriages, we must remember, can be declared void at the request of the minor in the marriage. Now, to be sure, there are a few good reasons that have been touted in favour of making the age of marriage the same for both men and women. For one, it would tackle the stereotype that the wife should be younger than the husband. 
and also the other equally prevalent stereotype that women mature faster than men. Now, introducing parity in ages thus would tackle such stereotypes to the extent that the law affects existing gender stereotypes. At a recent press interaction on this issue, Madhu Mehra of Partners for Law and Development spoke about why raising the age of marriage for women will actually make matters worse for a large swath of consensual relationships. Let's hear what she had to say. There is no doubt that law plays an important role and we've had a child marriage law from the colonial times. It's spoken to different concerns at the different historical moments. So the concerns have shifted from child widows to or infant widows to what we have now. The, the focus is clearly with the Child Rights Convention on empowerment of girls and agency of girls. So if we understand that that is the focus of any law, any legal amendment, then uh, we would welcome uh, any change which would actually enhance agency, invest in girls and so on. But let's look at what the law is currently and let's also look at whether the current law, given the way it's functioning, warrants a change such as the one that is being proposed. Uh, when we have the number of underage marriages as we do, we need to look at how is uh, the prohibition of Child Marriage Act functioning? How many girls are being able to go and have their marriages nullified? PLD undertook a countrywide study of underage marriage cases under PCMA, reported in the high courts and district courts, during a 10-year period of 2008 to 2017. What we found is that the majority of cases are actually cases brought to the court by parents of girls who have eloped and who have married uh, of their own choice. So that is the large majority of cases that is going to court. Uh, there are also cases where the boys or the couple are seeking protection from the girl's parents and or seeking bail or seeking uh, an appeal against a conviction. So this is the range of cases that the, the large majority. There are a few cases where the, uh, which are against arranged marriages. So the large chunk if we see are against self-arranged marriages and a smaller chunk um, is against, is a, a third of the cases I would say uh, is against uh, arranged marriages. Interestingly, even the arranged marriages cases are brought by mostly parents who want to, uh, along, with their, along with their child, uh, to nullify a marriage that has gone wrong because of dowry issues, because of domestic violence or incompatibility. So age is not really the reason why anyone is using the law. The second point is what we see in the legal research is that in cases of self-arranged marriages, uh, the parents are often using POCSO or the Law on Child Sexual Offences, which over the last few years has now got for aggravated rape punishment of minimum 20 years with no judicial discretion to minimize that punishment. So we have, when we have this, uh, um, we have this disparity, which is staggering and very, very dangerous where in an arranged marriage, if at all a case is successfully uh, results in conviction, 
the punishment is a maximum of two years. There is no minimum. It can be fine. But if it is a self-arranged marriage, the boy can get a minimum of 20 years sentence. That is the disparity. And cases of self-arranged marriages where there is no coercion, where there is the consent of both parties. So the law which was actually designed to protect young people has been set up in such a way within the Indian context that it is being used to harm young people. Just remember when the age of marriage officially becomes a minimum of 21 years, the parents can prosecute elopements right up to 21 years. Girls who are well into their adulthood could, could only become more vulnerable to parental controls and backlash. The proposal to set up the task force was first touted by the finance minister, Nirmala Sitaraman, earlier this year. And since its formation in June, the task force has, in a span of three weeks, taken the views of at least 2,500 young people, facilitated by 98 organizations across 15 states. All this during a lockdown and a pandemic, which, of course, is no mean feat. But it remains to be seen if the recommendations will go beyond the question of age of marriage to the more pertinent issues of government expenditure on nutrition for women and children, as well as increasing the focus on women's education and employability. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, do reach out to me at the Red Dhamini on Twitter. You can also leave your feedback at HT Smartcast on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Bye. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast. I'm Annie Apple and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.